Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Great to, well, I guess I don't see you, but I do have my wife sitting here today. Some of you have kind of wondered, Pastor, who do you preach to? That just so happens that today I've got my wife right in front of me here, and right now that's the only person in here. So uh, Tammy's going to feel like I'm preaching at her today, but that's okay. I'm glad you're with us today, and uh, we hope that you're going to be encouraged in God's Word. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. That's where we're going to headquarter today, Colossians chapter 3, as we start a new series. And today's message is going to be sandpaper people. It's the people who just rub you the wrong way, and they tend to irritate you a little bit. And we're going to be working on that in a new series today called Dear Abba. Um, hey, by the way, if you, I, the one thing that good that has kind of come out of this whole crazy corona time is that I get a lot of videos and I get a lot of chuckles from people. And this came to me a couple of weeks ago. And if you've been kind of quarantined with someone, um, you might start, because i got to tell you, this stretches even good relationships. Get a little strained during this time. Uh, I thought this was funny as I, I watched it a couple of weeks ago. Let's watch it together. California, day 12, being quarantined with my loved ones. At first it was okay. It was like a really nice long weekend. And then madness. It's too much togetherness. This entire experience have made me very much aware that I want a man in my life, just not in my house. Hook up my DVD player and my, my printer, maybe help me flip the mattress now and then and then get out. Yesterday, the man asked me where we keep the spoons. The spoons, for God's sake. We've been married 31 years. The spoons are kept where they always are kept, in the silverware drawer. He recently found all of the old cassettes of music that he used to listen to when he was in high school and thought it would be fun if we just listened to those songs yesterday. There's only so much of the band America a person can listen to. And that stupid song, riding through the desert on a horse with no name. It's not deep, it's stupid. I mean, name your horse for crying out loud. Prickly Pete's a good name. Snoopy. Just name it and be done with it. I'm hiding in here because I don't think he can find me in here. I mean, the man can't find the spoons. <laughs> Chances are he's not going to look in the closet for his wife. And if he does, I'm going to have to watch all five of the Planet of the Ape movies. He thought that would be a good time for us this evening. All the horror. All right, you may not think that's funny, but we're all laughing in here. And I, I resonate with some of that. The, I do know where the spoons are at. That's the one thing. But if you can't find the spoons, it'll drive you nuts. Oh, it is. It's crazy how when you're kind of stuck with someone, that sometimes it, even people you really like start to kind of get on your nerves a little bit. Now, we're going to start a new series today. And it actually, the idea came to me a couple of years ago. Pauline Phillips, Pauline Phillips, back in 1956, took on a pen name that some of you will kind of resonate with. 
Abigail Van Buren, she was better known as Dear Abby, and back in 1956, she began a column, a help column, where people would write into her into the newspaper. It became syndicated all around the country. By the way, still runs today, still runs today. I know papers are kind of out of vogue for many of you, but uh, articles are still being written. Her daughter has actually taken over her pen name legally, and it's an advice column. People would write in, and she would sometimes give them controversial advice, and sometimes it was humorous advice. Sometimes it was really deep, good advice. And I do remember that, my, certainly my mom and dad used to read this, but um, I, I used to look at it once in a while as well. Uh, it's interesting. I looked up some of the more humorous ones over the years, and I, I just find these funny. Like, for example, uh, this one, uh, one lady wrote in and said, Dear Abby, I know that boys will be boys, but my boy is 73 years old, and he's still chasing women. Any suggestions? Dear Abby responded, Don't worry. My dog has been chasing cars for years, and if he ever caught one, he wouldn't know what to do with it anyway. <laughs> I think that's great. Uh, that was probably one of her more humorous ones. Um, I like this one. Oh, gosh, this might strike home, but I, I thought it was kind of funny. Dear Abby, our son married a girl while he was in the service. They were married in February. And she had an eight-and-a-half-pound baby girl in August. That's like six, seven months later. She said that the baby was premature. Can, can an eight-and-a-half-pound baby be premature? <laughs> dear, dear Abby's advice. Uh, the baby was on time. The wedding was not. Forget about it. <laughs> I, I just think that's great. Oh, It's funny to me how we look for advice. And I was reminded in this whole thing, it just struck me how Jesus was willing to come before his heavenly father. And he called him, what? Abba, father. We have a heavenly daddy. Paul says we have a spirit that makes us a, a spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, father. That we can cry out to him, our heavenly daddy. And that he'll give us direction. He'll give us advice. And, and so um, I thought, how fun would it be to do a series called Dear Abba, it's God's relational advice from our Heavenly Father. And so that's what we're going to do starting this day and over the next couple of uh, months together. We're just going to work through some relational stuff. And today, I want to talk to you a little bit about sandpaper people. Now, when I, when I think of sandpaper people, I think of what Jesus said. When Jesus said, I want you to, you've heard that, we should, that you should love those who love you and that you should hate those who hate you. He says, but I want you to love those who are your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who, uh, who mistreat you. And it's interesting that when, you, when I think of this, that when I think of sandpaper people, I'm, I'm thinking of people who maybe are everyday people in our lives. They just kind of rub us wrong. Um, in fact, I, I put down some characteristics that you may have a sandpaper person in your life. Uh, for example, when they call and you start feeling anxiety and you don't want to talk to them. That, that's a sandpaper person. It's a person who just rubs you wrong. Um, number two, when they leave, you feel like the energy has been sucked out of you. Or when they leave, you get in a better mood. <laughs> that's a pretty good indication. Uh, what was it years ago I heard that a nudnik, a nudnik, it's actually a Yiddish term, a nudnik is a person that when they leave the room, 
people get happy. That, that's, a, that's not good. If, if, if that's what happens when you leave the room, you may be a nudnik. It means you're a sandpaper person. Um, number four, you find yourself telling little lies to them like, I'm not here. Um, you try to avoid them, so you avoid interaction, that you act like you don't see them. Uh, privately, I've done this before, privately you have imaginary conversations with that person where you are working through a conflict or dealing with angst toward that person. Most of us have sandpaper people in our lives. In fact, sometimes people who, who are really good friends, at times, close quarters, can become sandpaper people. Some are just personality differences. How do we deal with them? What does God's word say about dealing with those people in our life that tend to drive us crazy, that irritate us, and just kind of rub? Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to headquarter today. I don't know that we can do justice to this, but um, we're going to do our best to at least start here today, and we may come back to this passage and look at some of the deeper truths that are here. But I want to tell you that some of the sandpaper people that are in your life might be there because God wants them there. God does some things through sandpaper people in your life that, i got to tell you, he otherwise can't do. For example, number one, sandpaper people have a way of revealing your true character. Interesting, uh, in David's life, he, uh, when he had conflict with Goliath, Saul, Absalom, the people in his life who tended to attack him, it revealed David's deeper true character. In fact, you'll find that when the, the pressure got the highest in David's life, his character tended to shine through. And he actually refused in many of those instances to attack or to harm. It, it'll reveal your character. Number two, sandpaper people tend to cause us to grow more than we would grow without them. Um, they force us to come to our knees in prayer. It, it forces us to come to the cross in trust. And what we tend to find is that sandpaper people tend to, to lead us to asking for greater strength than we otherwise would have ever had. Um, uh, sandpaper, I was thinking about how sandpaper is made. And I'll be honest, I guess I don't know the whole process, but I essentially think of sandpaper as being paper that has an adhesive applied to it in which they put an irritant, uh, sometimes small granules, maybe it's, a, it's crushed rock, but they'll put an irritant onto that thing so that when you rub it, it tends to take the rough edges off of things and then smooths it down. Now, that's kind of what sandpaper people do is that they rub us, but if we allow the Lord to do a work in our heart, it's amazing how they tend to, to take off the rough edges in our life, which is number three, and then we'll get into the text. Um, God uses sandpaper people to actually mold and shape our lives into his image. You know, it's interesting because Jesus said this. He said, if you love those who love you, what is that to your credit? He said, but rather I would tell you that you are to love those who hate you and to bless those who curse you. That's back in Luke chapter 6, verse 32, 35. Jesus indicates that the, the distinguishing characteristic of those that are walking in relationship with him is that they, they tend to love those that are outside their circle. That they're able to have a, a care for those that aren't necessarily within their own circle. Colossians chapter 3. Would you turn there? Colossians chapter 3, Paul 
is talking about how those who are chosen, how we are to now begin to reflect the character and the attitudes of Christ. I love what he says in verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12, Colossians. Therefore, as God's chosen people, now we just spent 10 weeks talking about what it means to be chosen. He says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves. Now when I thought about clothing myself, I, I literally just got the image of putting on clothes. And and when he says that I want you to clothe yourself, what he is saying is that you cover yourself. It permeates every aspect of your life. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I, I actually choose to put clothes on, right? They don't just miraculously appear. And I, I do it every day. In fact, sometimes multiple times a day, I change clothes. And so when he talks about clothing yourself, he is talking about choosing to continually, day by day, put Christ, the very attitude of Christ, into your life. So when you see that concept, that's the concept he's talking, that it's, it's, it's continual and it's a choice that you make and it's the very attitude or the mind of Christ that you are accepting into your life. Therefore, he says, clothe yourselves with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity." Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Now, I will tell you, this passage I have over the last five, ten years, I have reflected on it over and over again. It is so rich. You literally could spend five, six weeks just in this Colossians 3 passage looking at the relational and character applications of what it means to be a follower and to be chosen by God. Today what I want to do is I want to share four choices that we can make with sandpaper people in our life. The first one is not necessarily first in line in the passage, but I'm going to say it's the most important one, is that I can choose to cover over. I can choose to cover over. Now, now he's talking about what? Love. He says, I can choose to love. But that idea of love in application to sandpaper people is, he says, I'm going to cover over them in love. He says, uh, verse 14, and above all of these virtues, put on love. Now, the reason that that, that that phrase cover over came to me is because in 1 Peter chapter 4, Paul, uh, Peter says this about this. He says, above all, in fact, he says this. He says, the end of all things is near. Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Then he says this, above all Love each other deeply. Say that with me. All four of you, five of you that are in here. Let's say it. Ready? Love each other deeply. Now, then he says this, because love covers over a multitude of sins. That is not the same as a cover-up. 
It is covering over. Let me explain the difference. We are not called to cover up sin. We are called to cover over sin just as the blood of Jesus Christ covers us. It doesn't mean we didn't sin. It means the blood of Jesus Christ triumphs over our sin. There's a difference there. And when Paul looks at us, when Peter looks at us, he says, I, I want you to learn what it is to triumphantly love someone even though they rub you the wrong way. Now there's a couple of times that you cannot cover over. You cannot simply ignore it. And that is not what I'm going to talk about today, but here, here are a couple times you just can't. And number one is that um, if the person's offense has placed a barrier in your relationship with that person, then you can't just ignore it, right? Because now you've got a barrier in that relationship. I would even say that if that person's actions has put a, a barrier between them and someone else or has put a barrier between them and the Lord, right? Because the Lord wants us to have healthy relationships. So I can't simply ignore something in someone's life when it's creating relational barrier. Secondly, that if, if, if the person's offense does harm to the reputation of the Lord, then I can't just ignore it. Because I'm supposed to call my brother and my sister into, into account when their actions are actually hurting the reputation of the Lord. So he's not saying that we just simply do this no matter what that person does. But what we are talking about are those offenses that happen in our life that we can cover over. A great illustration of this is in, uh, is in Genesis, in the book of Genesis. And I'll, I'll encourage you to maybe do a study on this uh, later this week. In Genesis chapter 6 through Genesis chapter 9, that is the story of Noah and the ark. Chapter 6 through 8, we see that Noah and his family, his three sons are actually on the ark and, his, and their, their wives and, and um, Noah's wife is on the ark. Okay, so in chapter 9, they're now off the ark. They're, they're starting to get back to normal life. And uh, Noah was a man of the earth, it says, and that he planted a vineyard, and that when the vineyard produced some grapes, he made some wine, and Noah, Noah got drunk. And it says that Noah was in his tent and was basically exposed in his drunkenness. His youngest son comes by the tent. His youngest son's name is Ham. And he notices that dad is drunk. And so he goes out and he tells his two older brothers, Shem and Japheth, he tells them that dad is drunk. Now here's what his older brothers did. His older, the scripture says that the older brothers stood next to each other and they put a blanket around their shoulders, they walked backward into the tent up to where dad was at and they laid a blanket over their father to cover his humiliation. That's a great picture. It's a picture of love and respect because what happens is that when dad wakes up and dad realizes what has happened, he actually cursed his youngest son, Ham, and there was actually a residual curse in Ham's life. But I, I want you to understand that there are some people that in their life they love to expose people's failure. 
And there are some people in life that are willing to love over people's failure. And I have personally found that people who are immature, spiritually, and emotionally immature, tend to delight in highlighting people's failure. And I tend to find that those that are spiritually and emotionally mature are able to give grace and to cover over. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Number two, the second thing that he tells us we can choose is we choose to hold ourselves back. We choose to hold ourselves back. Now look at the phrase that he uses here. Bear with one another. Bear with one another. Now, bear with one another. Actually, what, what I think of when I see, I literally think of a bear. And I think of a mama bear. And if you've ever seen bears in the woods or you've ever been out and you've seen cubs with bears or you've seen National Geographic or all those shows, you'll see a big lumbering mama that will be walking through with her cubs and mama will be perhaps kind of relaxed. And the little cubs are, they're just like little kids. Baby cubs or baby bears are just like little kids. They're constantly tussling with each other and playing and they're biting on mom's ear and they're climbing on her and mama just kind of keeps on. And I always think that. She just kind of puts up with their foolishness, right? She's bearing with them. Or you You've probably got a, a dog at home. If you have a dog at home and you've ever had a, a younger dog and you got the big dog who just kind of is just kind of sitting there and the little puppy is just jumping all over and that big dog's just sitting there like, man, would somebody get this thing and just take him away? That's that idea of bearing with someone. All of us have a natural reaction of how we want to deal with people that are sandpaper people in our lives. And, and most of us would like to spout off to them. We'd like to tell them what we think. We would like to be just as rude to them as they were to just to us. We would like to speak to them in the same voice that they just spoke to us. Bearing with one another comes with the idea that I'm going to extend grace to them and I will not treat them as I want to treat them. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to clothe me daily, moment by moment, with a choice that I'm going to treat that person better than they deserve. Um, I, uh, I don't always practice this well, and it's not always appropriate to practice this. But a number of years ago, in fact, I'm, I'm thinking I may have heard this from Steve Jones uh, Steve Jones is the uh, president of the missionary church, and I think he might have been doing a staff training time with us. I think he was, he did a revival series here a number of years ago. Remember, we did like a, a, a revival thing, and, and Steve said, I think it was he that said this. He said, uh, practice the three-day rule, that if somebody slights you, or if you're upset with somebody, give it a few days. He says, three days before you go off on that person. Now, that can't always happen because obviously the, set, the scripture says don't let sun go down in your anger. But I have found that three-day rule is a really good rule. Because oftentimes when I speak quickly, I don't, what I said wasn't technically wrong, but the way I say it often is. And I have found that if I take a few days it allows the Holy Spirit, first of all, to bring my, my emotions down a little bit. 
And then I found that it kind of, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to me and maybe I had a part in this whole thing that I need to take responsibility for. And then sometimes the Holy Spirit just says, you know what, I really don't think that's big enough for you to even address. And so if I take a little bit of time, I have found that it helps me to bear with individuals. He says, you're going to take the attitude of Christ, you're going to clothe yourself You're going to learn what it is to cover over through love. You're going to learn what it is to extend some grace by bearing with individuals. Number three, and we could spend a series on just this concept, I want you to choose to let go. I want you to forgive them. I want you to choose to let go. Look what he says in that same verse, verse 13. He says, and forgive Whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, let me just pause on this for a moment. I believe what Paul is dealing with in this passage is not deep-seated hurt or long-lived unforgiveness. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't apply to this passage But I want you to see what he's addressing. He says, I want you to clothe yourself. I want you to treat people with humility. I want you to bear with them. I want you to do this daily. I want the attitude of Christ to be in your life. What I think Paul is specifically addressing is not allowing hurts to take up seed in your life. Forgive quickly. Now, in fact, we're probably going to come back to this concept later in this series. And we do need to forgive things from our past. And we do need to forgive things from uh, our childhood. And we do need to forgive things perhaps from our our previous relationships. We we need to deal with deep-seated wounds in our life. And we deal with those through forgiveness. But if we can deal with things quickly... They don't take root in the first place. In fact, there are two words in Scripture in the New Testament that um, teach the, the concept of forgiveness. The first word means to let go of a debt. It, it, just, it, just, mean, it just means I'm going to release the debt the person owns me. The other concept is to give a gift or to extend grace to a person. Both of them are, are two different words that describe this concept of forgiveness. And so what Paul is trying to help us understand is that we can extend grace quickly to sandpaper people and we can literally release the offense quickly. I had a good friend of mine. He was an older man, uh, probably a good 30, 35 years my senior who was a, a very close friend of mine in the, the church that we had before we came to Colonial Woods. The guy's name was John. And John, uh, probably at that time, was in his uh, upper 60s. And uh, today, goodness, he's got to be in his mid to late 80s. He just really has to be. And uh, John was a very fit individual. Now, he was not a bodybuilder type of an individual. Just very, he, just, he was very disciplined. He took care of himself. Um, and I remember uh, we would meet together for prayer, and he uh, told me 
uh, it was after Christmas time, and I said, how are you doing, John? And he said, you know, you've, you've just come through uh, Thanksgiving and all the holiday stuff, and now we're at Christmas. And uh, he said, well, he said, his first of the year, he goes, I'm up by two pounds. Now, Dan, you and I will laugh at that because we eat, we eat a happy meal and we're up by five, right? I mean, we, you and I, we have the ability to go up or down eight pounds on any given day, right? It's just, it's just that, that's it. Now, Pastor Bruce, that might be a big deal to you. You, you probably are a little different than that. But, but for me, two pounds is nothing. And I laughed at him when he said it. He goes, I'm up by two pounds. He says, I've gotten into a very strong exercise regime. And he did. He would get up. He worked out. He did all this stuff because he wanted to deal with that two pounds. And I, I kind of laughed at him. But can I tell you, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Because if you deal with small things quickly, they don't become big things later. Many of the big things that people harbor in their emotions toward other people, which becomes deep-seated wounds and hurt, is because we've allowed mounting smaller things to keep and to take residence in our life. Paul says, hey, you need to make a choice. And one of the choices is you need love. Because love doesn't cover up sin, but it does cover over sin. You need to hold back a bit on what you really want to do by bearing with one another. But there are some people in your life that with these irritants, you just kind of let it go. Number four, you have to choose to accept God's peace in your life. I want you to see this phrase that comes out of verse 15 and 16. He says, let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. If you're at home, you're here, say that with me, would you? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. By the way, the next verse he says is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I want you to see the phrase, let. It means you have to allow God to do the work of peace in your heart that he wants to do. You see, God's work of peace in your heart is a work of his grace. And just as you can resist his grace on a daily, you can resist what God wants to do in your life emotionally and relationally. God wants to use all of this stuff that's happening in your life. In fact, can I just share with you, we're in in some isolation right now. But I promise you that even in the crazy, God wants to give you peace. But you have to allow him to do it. You have to let him do it. You have to receive it. And I have found that whether it be with difficult people or my own character development or in some of the deep-seated stuff in my life or maybe just sandpaper people in my life. Sometimes I'm resistant to what God really wants to do in my life. So I I have to let him do it. Sandpaper person in your house, clothe yourself. 
Sandpaper person in your church, clothe yourself. Sandpaper person in your family, clothe yourself. Uh, Sandpaper person in the public, clothe yourself. Sandpaper person in in your extended family, clothe yourself. In your workplace, clothe yourself. Choose continually to allow the attitude of Christ to permeate you as you love, as you bear with, as you let go, and as you receive the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding. Do me a favor, real quick here. Close your eyes. Unless you're driving. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. <laughs> but but if, you are, if you're at a place where you can safely close your eyes, close your eyes. Who is the sandpaper person that's popping into your mind? Lord Jesus, Sometimes it's really frustrating to me because it seems like I have to ask, I have to act like Jesus and everybody else gets away with not. And it's not fair, but it is Jesus. Jesus will always call the strongest in the room to stoop. He will always call the individual who is the most mature and spiritually humbled to serve. And so Jesus, even though I don't like doing this, I do love you and I do want to be like you. So this morning toward this sandpaper person in my life, I want to receive your peace. I want your grace to overflow into my life. I want your love to permeate into my heart so that I can demonstrate you toward them. And it's not just for their good. It's for my peace my heart, my freedom, and my conscience before you. Thank you, Lord. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless. Hope you have an incredible day and a joyous week ahead. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.